Welcome to the Valley Bear Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our two-week series, Spiritual Conversations. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome everybody here in the building, as well as those of you who are online. We're glad you're here. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and I hope that you were blessed during that day. I want to say on behalf of our staff, on behalf of our leaders, uh, we are thankful for you, those of you in the house and those of you online. We're glad you're here, and we hope that you'll continue to come back, particularly as we move into celebrating uh, the birth of Christ next week. But uh, today we're going to be talking about this uh, whole idea of spiritual conversation. So uh, we've been offering this free book. You'll see a picture of it up on the slides. 21 Days to Increase Your Spiritual Conversations. It's a free book for you. So if you want a copy of it, please take one. They're available in the cafe after the service. If you're online, we would encourage you to send an email to uh, connect at valleybrook.cc and we'll put one in the mail to you this week. You know, I call it a devotional workbook because it's going to take you through some scripture, but it's also going to really challenge you to take some steps to be intentional about your spiritual conversations with one another. And, and, and really, let's, let's admit it, as we head into the Christmas season, this is a time when those uh, spiritual conversations are very appropriate and easier to have. And I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of my message when it comes to next steps. So let me say this. You know, if you're wondering why we're, we're focusing on having spiritual conversations, uh, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message because it gets into it. But, but I can sort of summarize the conclusion. You know, when, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his followers to share the good news about God with the world and with everybody that was in their circle of influence so that they could help people come to know Jesus and become his followers. And simply put, that's Jesus' plan to reach the world, that us. And as Christians, we're part of this legacy for over 2,000 years of Christians telling others about Jesus. And when those people respond to faith and believe, then they're part of God's plan to reach people. And so uh, we're part of God's plan to reach the next generation of followers of Jesus. Now, I want to ask you to stop and think for a moment. Have you ever stopped to think about who it was who was instrumental in your life for you coming to faith in Jesus? Maybe it was your mom or dad. Maybe it was another relative. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher or a a school teacher. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was somebody else in your life that somewhere along the way helped you understand what God had done for you in Jesus and they shared that with you, and you became a follower of Jesus. Maybe not at that moment, but it planted the seed. You know, we we should be thankful for Jesus' plan and how it works and how people have helped us come to faith. But, you know, think about it this way. You know, maybe your story is a story of a gradual process uh, of coming to faith as uh, you can look back on your history and you see several people along the way over the years who shared their faith in Jesus with you. Or or maybe your story is rather dramatic. You know, it it happened one day, somebody shared with you what Jesus came to do in their life and in your life, and 
you believed at that moment. And it was, you, you know, you went from not believing one moment to believing the next moment. You know, God uses all kinds of ways to bring his sons and daughters to faith. And, and I've had the blessing over the years as the pastor of Valley Brook and pastor of previous churches to, to be able to hear and even read faith stories, many of yours of how you came to faith in Jesus. And I will tell you, it is just a blessing to be able to hear those stories, but it also makes me marvel at the, the multiple ways that Jesus uses circumstances and people and events and the Holy Spirit to bring people to Christ. You know, I, I would call those divine appointments. In fact, a few years ago, an acquaintance of mine began to use that term to describe the process of recognizing how the Spirit of God has orchestrated a place where we hear the gospel of Jesus and it plants a seed, and eventually we respond. And, and each one of those conversations is a divine appointment. So uh, this morning, I, I want to talk about those divine appointments. In the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, we read about a Holy Spirit-orchestrated divine appointment. Philip, who was one of Jesus' disciples, was a man who had learned to listen carefully to the voice of God's Spirit. And he had learned to discern that voice, and he allowed the Spirit of God to actively direct his daily life. And the Bible tells us that Philip one day was just going about his normal day when God directed him into what we're able to read and understand as a divine appointment, and that the person that God directed him to was an official from Ethiopia. He had been to Jerusalem, and now he was leaving. He was in a carriage, and he was reading. And Philip must have seen this because we read in Scripture that the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside that carriage. And knowing that this could be a divine appointment to tell someone about his faith, Philip goes over, and there he's close enough when he can hear this per person reading from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And sensing an opening, Philip just asks a question. Hey, do you, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian official responds and says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And, and a conversation ensues, and, and this man invites Philip to come up and sit in the, uh, in the uh, carriage with him and explain what he was reading. And this divine appointment was indeed happening. Uh, they talk, and uh, you can see how the Holy Spirit orchestrated this because the passage that this person was reading was about the prophecy called the suffering servant prophecy, which we understand is about Jesus. And this is what the prophecy said. It's written there in the book of Acts. And it says this about Jesus. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So when the official asked Philip to tell him who the prophecy is about, we can see that uh, the opening is there. And so the scriptures tell us that beginning with that scripture, Philip told this person about the good news of Jesus. And as a result, 
he believed in Jesus. And when they came to a body of water, he said, listen, I want you to baptize me. And so, so Philip baptized him right there. Now, I recognize that that's, that's a rather dramatic story of a, a divine appointment. And you need to understand they're not always that dramatic and all, always that instantaneous. In fact, when I even think about my own life, I can see literally dozens and dozens of divine appointments in my life where people shared with me about Jesus and what he meant to them up until the moment in the quiet of my room all by myself, I prayed and I told Christ that I believed in him and wanted to follow him. Uh, you know, th those divine appointments were conversations all along through my life. Some of them were with my mom and dad. Some of them uh, were with my pastor. Some of them were with uh, friends along the way. Uh, some with uh, some of my neighbors in college. And, and eventually the woman who became my wife, Cynthia. And, and I will tell you that, you know, almost all of those stories, when I think about it, those divine appointments, almost all of them were encouraging. I mean, I can think of one that was a, was a little weird. Uh, that's, for a, that's the story for another day. But, but the reality was, is that people were just telling me naturally what Jesus meant to them and how he had changed their lives. And, and all of those conversations, those divine appointments eventually led to the place where at the age of 19, I accepted Christ. Now, I wanted to share both of those examples with you because I want you to see that there is no prescribed way for a divine appointment spiritual conversation to go. And there's no desi designed outcome. The Holy Spirit is in charge of that. And we don't have to control it or to mandate the outcome. We just have to be faithful followers and listen to the Spirit's voice to guide us when we see the opportunity for a divine appointment. But it does require that we're intentional about it. And that's why I've been encouraging you to read this 21 Days Spiritual Conversation book because it reminds us that it needs to be something that we're conscious of being ready for and preparing. And along the way, there are some things that we should do. Again, I'll talk about some of those at the end of the message. So God uses those divine appointments and that leads us to the reality of this. When we have a divine appointment, we need to seize the day. We need to seize the moment. We need to take advantage of it. Now, um, one of my favorite movies uh, that I find just so inspirational is the movie Dead Poet Society. Some of you probably watched it. It's about a controversial English teacher. His name was John Keating. He, he's played by Robin Williams in the movie. And it's, he was a professor at a prep school in New England. And while he is there, he introduces his students to the classic poets, and he teaches them to look at life through the new vantage point. But there's just a, an incredible scene at the beginning of the movie. It's the first day of school, and Mr. Keating walks into the class. He's whistling the uh, 1812 overture. So the students already say, this guy's not like the stodgy old professors. And then he invites the whole class to go out into the hallway. And, and in the hallway, you just got to get this in your mind, there's a, just a row after row of trophy cases. And with every trophy, there seems to be uh, a picture of the team, 
that the trophies were won by, and, and you can tell by looking at them that uh, uh, these trophies were won some time ago. And as they're looking at those, uh, Keating asked one of the students to, to read a poem from the English poet Robert Herrick. And here's the poem. Gather ye rosebuds while they may, old time is still a-flying, and this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Now, while Keating asks the, the students what the poem means, they, they get it wrong, and so he proceeds to interpret the poem for them. He says that, you know, the Latin term for the sentiment of this poem is carpe deum, which is Latin and translated as seize the day. And he says, why does the writer use these lines? And, and, and then he pauses and he says this. He says, because we are food for worms. Because, believe it or not, each and every one of us in this room one day is going to stop breathing, turn cold, and die. And, and motioning for them to draw nearer to the display case with those old photographs of the previous students, he continues. He said, I'd like you to step forward over here and peruse some of the faces from the past. You've walked by this trophy case many times, and I don't really think you've ever looked at them. Look at them, he says. They're not much different from you. Same haircuts just like you, invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster, he says. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you do. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait till it was too late to make up from, to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable of? Because you see, he says, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whispering their legacy to you. And then he encourages them to lean in. They're a little reluctant, but as they lean in, Mr. Keating whispers from the back, Carpe Deum, seize the day. Make your lives extraordinary. As I said, you know, I, I've always found that scene very inspirational. But, of course, it's movie fiction. And it's quoting the words of a dead poet. And while those words may ring true in our human experience, they don't carry the authority of God's word. But there is a sense in Scripture that when it comes to witnessing... When it comes to sharing Christ with other people, when it comes to telling people what Jesus means to us, we need to seize the day. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that. He writes in Colossians, this is a verse we looked at last week, we're looking at it again today. He says this, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Seize the day. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Now, why should we make the most of every opportunity to tell people about Jesus? Well, first, our experience tells us that uh, our time on this earth is not guaranteed. We don't know how long we have. You know, you've heard the old saying, who knows if we may not get hit by a car on the way home. We don't know how long we have. And so we don't know how long others have. And so we need to seize the day. We need to tell them the hope that we have in Jesus and make the most of every opportunity. 
There's another reason too. In the Christian calendar, today marks the first Sunday in Advent. We lit the candle on uh, our Advent wreath today for the first Sunday in Advent. And Advent is a season where we look forward. Now, we also remember, and that's really what everybody likes to focus on, I think, when it comes to Advent. They like to remember the birth of Jesus. They like to remember that he came to save us. But what we too often forget is that a big part of Advent is looking forward to the return of Jesus, to the, to the second coming, when he will come again to judge all of humanity, and we are told to be prepared, and in other words, to be faithful followers. Now, over the past 19 or so months, as we've gone through this pandemic, I've, I've had a few conversations about what the Bible says are the signs of the end of the world, and, and uh, people are wondering, are, are some of the things that are going on now those signs? Well, the reality is that some of those do appear to be some of those signs, but, but here's what we need to remember. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 24, I would encourage you to go and read it. Jesus talks about what some of the signs are of the coming end of the world. But you can't just stop with chapter 24. You've got to go on to chapter 25. But, but let me also remind you what Jesus says in, in chapter 24. He says this, about that day or hour, no one knows when the Son of Man will return. He says, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, meaning himself, but only the Father. But if you go into chapter 25, which you have to read chapter 24 in context, he takes the focus uh, and talks not about when the world will end, but he tells us what the posture of his followers should be, Christ followers. And that posture is that on that day, whenever it comes, we need to be found ready. In other words, we need to be faithfully following Jesus. And when we're faithfully following Jesus that means we're taking every opportunity. We're seizing the day to live for Christ. And part of living for Christ means seizing the divine opportunities to share with others about Christ. In his Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us something that really goes along with this. He, he tells us how we're supposed to be faithful followers and he puts a lot of this world into context. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, he's not just talking about don't be materialistic. And he's not just talking about make sure you're a follower of Jesus. But this passage is really driving at that worldly wealth isn't the important thing. There's eternal treasure. And he's talking about that there's the reality of this, is that whatever worldly wealth you have in this life, when you die, you can't take it with you. But there is something 
There's only actually one thing you can take with you. And that thing actually can be many things. And those are the lives of the people that you've shared Christ with who have accepted him by faith and who will be there when you're there. Because you've seen those divine appointments, you've taken them, you've seized the day, and you've shared what Christ means to you. See, Christ is telling us that we're a part of his plan and that we can lay up treasure in heaven. And it's not silver or gold, but it's the lives of those that we've shared Christ with. Now, again, we can't orchestrate that. We can't make it happen, but we have to be faithful in sharing that. And when it comes to faith in Jesus, we have to recognize that when we've believed in him, we've been blessed. And and when we share Christ with others, we should see that that's the bigger purpose of our blessing of knowing that we are saved by faith. We have the opportunity to help others. In other words, we are blessed to be a blessing to others. In chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, God calls Abraham and Sarah to leave everything and everyone they know and to follow him to a new land where he will bless them. And this is what God says to them. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Abraham and Sarah, if we know the story, they're old. They haven't been able to have children. But but now in their old age, well past the age of childbearing, they've been told that they're going to have a child and that child will be the beginning of a start that will make many descendants of their family. In fact, so many that it will become a great nation. And from that nation, God will bless all other nations. God is saying that he will bless them, Sarah and Abraham, so that they can be a blessing to others. And everyone who recognizes that they've been blessed with the promise of eternal life, with the power of the Holy Spirit, recognizes that they've been blessed to be a blessing. As I've been reading in this book, you know, 21 Days to Increase Your Spiritual Devotion, uh, the author uh, writes this. In the book of Jeremiah, when God's people become exiles in a foreign land, they no longer have a great nation. They no longer have a great nation for the world to see. Instead, while living among foreigners, God tells them to seek the welfare of the city where they're living as captives. Essentially, he's telling them, think about how you can be a blessing to the people around you. Think about how you can be a blessing to the people who are holding you in captivity. As you choose to be a blessing to others, he says, I will be revealed. A a thirst will be created, a curiosity will be stirred, and the people around you will wonder why you chose to love and to serve them and others. The truth of the matter is this, is that every single follower of Jesus has been blessed to be a blessing. We have found the hope 
of the world in Jesus Christ. We've been given a reason for living. We've been given the Holy Spirit to fill us, to guide us, and we've been given the promise of eternal life. We're not supposed to keep that blessing to ourselves. It's not ours to keep. Yes, it has eternal consequences for us that are tremendous, but we're supposed to share it with others so that we can be a blessing to others. We have the good news, and we're supposed to share the good news. Now, uh, I know that sometimes it's good to have structure around being a witness and sharing that blessing. So I want to share with you an easy-to-remember uh, acronym of how you can be a blessing to others. So I want to talk about uh, blessing others. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up for the long, last song, but, but let me just share with you this, this word bless in an acronym. So here's what the B stands for. Uh, B stands, and you might want to write this down, begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Pray for your family, pray for your friends, pray, pray for your neighbors, your co-workers, and ask God for an opportunity to bless them, to share with them what's going on in your life. Let me just say this. Um, we have live nativity invites. That's going to be next Saturday night. If you uh, weren't here when we shared that earlier, uh, you can pick them up at the welcome tables as you leave today. If you're into social media, please go to our Facebook page and share that with others. Why? Because if we've been blessed to be a blessing, we need to share it. And when we present this live nativity, this is just a simple opportunity, an easy opportunity for us to invite someone to attend with us or just to invite them to go where they can hear in a very timely and seasonally appropriate way the good news about Jesus. Uh, I will say one other thing. If you're excited about that and you'd like to help with that, you can also go to our website and you can find a way to volunteer to help with that. So begin with prayer. Pray for the opportunity. Next, is L, listen, listen. Ask good questions. And when you think you want to say something, zip it, all right? Don't argue with them. Don't say, hey, you've got it wrong. Listen. People don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. The E in bless is eat. In other words, invite them over for a meal. Take them out for coffee. Do something where you can actually facilitate that conversation where you can listen and ask good questions. And then there's S, serve. Find a practical way to serve others. And if they want to help you, let them help you. Why? Because that blesses them. And then there's the final S. And it stands for story. Now, I tell you this all the time. You have a story of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ, what he means to you. I encourage you to write it down and familiarize yourself with it so when the opportunity arises, you can share your story. We've been blessed, and we need to be a blessing to others. So lean into that. In fact, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to encourage you uh, and I want to pray for you that during this season, as we head toward Christmas, that you will recognize that there are divine opportunities in your life for you to have spiritual conversations. And I'm going to pray that you're going to seize the day. And I'm going to pray that you'll bless others as you've been blessed. So if you would, bow your heads and let me pray for you. 
God, we thank you again that someone in our lives shared with us about you and we came to faith. We thank you for that blessing. And Lord, we recognize that you've called each one of us to be a blessing. So Lord, uh, give us eyes to sense the Holy Spirit's leading for divine appointments and help us to lean into that. Help us to, to make the most of those opportunities. And just as we've been blessed by you, help us share that blessing with others. And as you've heard this message today, maybe you're saying, well, I, I want to become a follower of Jesus. How do I do that? And well, right where you are, you can just pray this to Jesus right now. So I'm just going to give you some uh, words that you can pray silently to God and, and do this in the quiet of where you're seated right now. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. Go ahead and pray that to him. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe he rose again from the dead. And now I want to follow him all the days of my life. And so, Lord, we pray that you would work in the lives of those who have prayed these prayers. We pray that you would help each one of us recognize that we have these opportunities to have these spiritual conversations and help us follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.